This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. This is your second show this week because we have got a lot to break down about what I believe is the biggest non-conference game regular season in TCU history. We're going to talk about Ohio State recruiting on the football front, recruiting on the basketball front, that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, guys, here we are doing two shows in one week. Uh, what are we, like three or four months away from getting picked up by the ticket? I think I think we could do it. What do you think, Jeremy? Let's do it, man. Let's get a local radio station to buy this uh, podcast, and we'll do this every day. I would be down with that. I don't know if we'd have enough money to uh, afford Daniel's whiskey, especially if things don't oh, go well man. Saturday, but <laughs> I'm all for it. Oh, don't worry. I, I buy the cheap stuff. You buy <laughs> okay. Jim Beam? Hey, hey, no, that's not no, cheap. No, no. Cheaper than Jim Beam? Oh, you can go cheap. Oh, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard you can go cheaper than Jim Beam. <laughs> well, there's a lot to talk about. We have some big news on, um, on, camp- on the campus front. The Frogs are hosting game day. Second time in two years, second straight year that the Frogs are hoping- hosting game day. Last year, of course, they hosted for West Virginia. They were able to get a big win, win by a touchdown against Western Virginia. This year, we are all frustrated. We're just going to say it once and move on. We were frustrated that it went from a home-and-home home to a neutral site game there at Jerry World. But the upside is Frogs get to host game day right there on campus. I'm excited about this. If you can hear this and you can get to on, if you can get on campus Saturday morning for game day, you need to go. And I want to tell you, if somebody will hold up a sign that says, listen to the Frogcast, I'll buy you ponchos or, or Heim barbecue or whatever you want to eat. I would <laughs> love for somebody to go out there and get one of those big signs that says, uh, you know, uh, Gordon Keith listens to the Frogcast or something like our Herb Street gets his picks from the Frogcast. Uh, Jeremy, what did you think uh, was the, you know, what, what, what do you think was the response from inside the university when they found out that they were going to be able to host game day, even though the game's not being played at Eamon Carter? I mean, it's free publicity. I mean, anytime you get the most popular college uh, game show on campus, I mean, that's a big thing. And, and all eyes from the, across the nation are going to be watching that show. And you get to show off the beautiful campus, the uh, campus commons and TCU, no matter how small the school is, man, they always do a great job of getting the fans out there in full mass. I mean, they they just come in droves, and they do such a great job representing TCU. The signs are out there. The, Kirk Herbstreet and those guys, they love going to TCU. Reese Davis even said something about going to TCU, how much they enjoy it. And, it, it again, it's just free publicity for, for the program. And, and Coach Patterson loves the fact that they're coming back over there. I think uh, he made a good point. It shows uh, the respect um, that college game day has for TCU as a program. I mean, I don't think you could have said that maybe 10 years ago and, and maybe even as recently as five years ago before they really got going in the Big 12. But for them to come over there and, and uh, just be able to advertise TCU on a, on a national set, I mean, that's great for them. You know, I think I wrote this in the piece that, I, that you posted today that I wrote about 10 years ago, if you would have told a TCU fan in 2018, you'll host game day two years in a row and then have Ohio State and then the next week play at Texas, both on national television, we, we would have thought that was a pipe dream. There was no way we were going to be able to believe that. And even as, as pleasantly surprised as I was when Reese, Reese Davis announced that during the Aggie game, 
I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That I mean, LSU-Auburn, that's a big game, but this, this, that makes sense. There's no reason that TCU can't host game day. So I, I agree with you. It's it's a great uh, platform for the university to show itself off. I mean, I, I'm big on academics. I love that TCU is a rigorous school academically. It wasn't when I went there because that's the only reason I got in. But all, this, this helps everything. <laughs> this helps the science department. This helps every program in the university when the football program is able, you know, Kel Del Conte used to call it the front door to the university is the athletic department yeah. and game day is just a huge you know well-produced infomercial for tcu and i think i think it's great I think, daniel were you there no go ahead Jeremy. I, I think gary even said today on the teleconference and i and, and i may be wrong but i know it's been said somewhere that it yeah lsu and auburn were up for the same uh same game and you would have thought maybe they would have gone over there to the sec but if you really look at tcu in general as a program they they were a consistent top 10 program the last uh, three out of the last four years, and they're one of only five teams that have accomplished that. So the the fact that they're they're nationally known as being a, a perennial, uh, not only a top twenty five school, but really a top fifteen, top ten school. I think it's becoming easier and easier for game day to make the decision to go over to TCU. Yeah, and I think the irony is Frog fans might have been more surprised than the national media was. Sure. You know, I have argue, I've argued this, that TCU has a stronger brand outside of the state of Texas than they do inside because there's still, you know, little TCU, you got A&M, you got Texas, you got other programs. Uh, you know, nationally, I, I live outside the Big 12 footprint. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, TCU, that's that's a pretty good program. So it it does speak well to the university that the, the biggest brand in college football, which is ESPN, decides, hey, let's go down there. And, you know, Ohio State obviously had a lot to do with that. But that's the byproduct of scheduling these games, even if it wasn't the best case scenario for the non-home and home. So. Hey, you could have had that. You could have had the set over there at AT and T. Oh but, gosh! But, you still, but they, <laughs> if if Ohio State was as much involved, but you still want to get it over there on TCU's campus because they've had such a great time when they're on campus. Yeah, doing it in a parking lot at Jerry World has like you know, all of the, the personality of a of a strip mall on I thirty five. So there's there's no reason to do that. <laughs> I, I think they've only gone to Jerry World for the national championship. And then any other time they're in town for a game that happens to be at Jerry World, it's been Sundance Square. And that's where I thought they were going to go. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a good place, too. I was trying to think. campus is much better. Campus is much better. LSU, Oregon in 2011, I think they did game day at Jerry World. And I think that's I, – I think somebody – a listener can correct me, tweet me if I'm wrong. I think they did it there and then haven't done it since because, yeah, they've used Sundance Square. And I was wondering if they're going to use the stockyards. I was wondering if they thought, well, let's not do it on campus because it's, quote, neutral site. Maybe they could move it to the stockyards even though Sundance Square is a great spot. But, hey, it's right where it should be. Have you got, either of you guys been right there in the venue when they've hosted game day, whether it was in 09 against Utah or last year against West Virginia? I went yeah, last I was year. There last you year did go too. last year. What's it like, Daniel, to be be down there in the pit? Well, I wasn't down in the pit. I showed up at like ten thirty, <laughs> but sure. I was there late again. Early. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that you were late. I, got, I actually got there pretty early because what time was the game last year against West Virginia? It was a two o'clock game, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the second, so so that's yeah. yeah, that's what I did. I went over there to college game day, and then I left, and then just walked over there to the press box. I remember being in the press box like three hours before the before kickoff. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it's 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 neat, but it's you can't you can barely hear what's going yeah. on. You can barely see what's going on. Um, 
I, I got as close as I could and the place was packed and, you know, all people from, you know, that, like that, uh, Washington state group that's always at game day, no matter where it's at, they were there. It was, it was a blast. And, um, you know, they were hanging banners out of the dorm rooms and stuff, which you could get away with a lot more, uh, interesting signs that way than if you're down in the pit because they they monitor those you're not gonna be uh, on tv with the, with some of those signs no yeah no you won't but, yeah and um so anyway but it's 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 fun but it's you know you're just standing there and it, it's a lot easier to just watch it yeah. on tv but uh like if you want to really know what's going on with it but towards the end when you know they uh didn't like the picks and corso puts on the uh, the frog head thing, super frog head, whatever it is. Um, that the summer's how that comes through and everyone cheers and it's fun. And then suddenly it's over and it's just, everyone clears out, but it's a blast. If if you haven't been, you've you got to check it out. It's a, it's a must, uh, must see thing. Well, we have the venue and we have the location there for uh college game day on campus at campus commons, but then everybody's going to have to drive 20 miles, 20 miles east on I 30 for the game that night on ABC TCU is taking on Ohio state. And I don't think this is a controversial statement. I had some pushback on it online. This is the biggest regular season non-conference game in the history of TCU. And I, I don't even know how to put good words to what a win in this game could be. Uh, what would mean for the program, what it, what it would mean for this regular season, and then the implications of that. But do you guys just agree with that? Do you think this is the biggest regular season non-conference game in, in, in program history? Has to uh, be. I think, it's, uh, I think it's up there with Oklahoma in 05 because, I mean, you're still playing in the Mountain West then, and Oklahoma's a Big 12 team, and they're number five. You have Adrian Peterson coming back, and I just think the win – even though they lost to SMU the last week, it really catapulted them for the rest of the season. And that's really when you started to see the type of program TCU was going to become back in 2005, um, the year they went 11 and one, I think it was, but yeah, I, I would, I would rank, I'd rank this game up there as well. I mean, it's two top 15 teams going at it. I think it's the biggest because TCU's is, is bigger than it's ever been. And Ohio state is as big as it's ever been. Um, probably, I don't think you can get much bigger, you know, between the two programs. So, I mean, yeah, beating Oklahoma was a, a big milestone and no one expected it. You know, we were the, we were the, the Patsy scheduled to come in and, you know, uh, where they pay for the win like we do now with, uh, Southern and, you know, SMU and that thing. So, um, games changed. Yeah. I think the games changed. I don't think this game could would happen without that 05 win against Oklahoma. I mean, I don't know how you measure the impact that that had, but it was obviously significant. But TCU went 11 and 1 that year with that one loss to SMU. If TCU beats Ohio State and finishes the regular season 11 and 1 and then wins the Big 12 title game, they're in the playoff. Yeah. And so that's where I think the implications of this game are are much grander than being able to go 11 and 1 and play Iowa State in the galleryfurniture.com bowl down in Houston. I guess that uh, NRG is not the gallery furniture. That's when they played the Aggies, but it was in Houston and it's, it's the Texas bowl now in down there in NRG stadium. So I think, I think the, the stakes are so much higher of, of what this could mean. I mean, I'm at, this is, you know, a parallel take it for what it's worth. What if A&M had beaten Clemson? I mean, think about what that would have meant for the playoff, for their program, for recruiting, and all those things I think are probably still hidden in the right direction for, for A&M. 
But if TCU could beat Ohio State, that would be the biggest win for a team in the state of Texas, not conference, in, in forever. And then for that, what that would be able to do to change the, scape, uh, the landscape of the Big 12 race, for the, for the national title race, for being able to get into the playoff, I think that this, I don't even know how you, I don't even know what else is in the conversation because when, like you said, Daniel, the game has changed. You're in the Big 12, you're in the national title race. Uh, TCU has been ranked as much as anybody in terms of the playoff committee select, as uh, playoff selection committee. And I, I think if if the playoff selection committee had a ranking uh, that came out this Sunday after TCU beat Ohio State, they would be top five. I think they'd be you know three or four or five. So yeah, it's a it's a huge game, and um, there's there's just no denying that. Well, something's going to happen on the field. You know, the Frogs are going to be able to take on Ohio State. Um, At some point, all the media is going to uh, step away, all of the fanfare game day, all of our procrastinating, you know, all of our procrastinating um, will go out the window, and the boys are going to have to play the game. I don't know where, I don't even know how to measure what TCU can do against Ohio State, but I wanted to ask the question this way, and I'll start with you, Daniel. What advantages does TCU have in this game? Because recruiting, Ohio State's got it. You know, experience in a platform like in a stage like this, maybe Ohio State has an advantage there. But what advantage does TCU have over Ohio State coming into this game? Gary Patterson. We have a head coach, so that's automatically a, a, a leg up that <laughs> the frogs have. So. No, he'll be there. He'll be on top of the stadium with binoculars and a he'll be in a bunker on a on a and, headset uh, somewhere. Yeah, I want to see him next to Jerry in the suite, and then they. I want a dollar every time they shoot the camera to him. Here, Urban, use these special headphones right here now. <laughs> <laughs> this goes right in the quarterbacks here and overrides what they told them to yeah, do. Yeah, just listen, just listen, just watch, and uh, um, you'll be ready to call them plays with these special headphones, Urban, I tell you. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, so you think Patterson is the advantage. Say, say a little more about that. Well, I mean, it's not because we have a, a head coach and they don't because he's still there. They're practicing today with Urban Meyer. He's still planning everything out. So he's just not there to make the calls or whatever it is he, he does. I don't even know. Um, besides cover-up, wife-beating. But he uh, <laughs> he's real good at that. <laughs> Uh, it's it's because of, of what Gary can do. Uh, you know, we have the advantage because of of I don't think anyone preps for a game any better. Um, I don't think anyone can prep the, their team any better as far as mindset. Um, now you may say, "Well, look at SMU game." Well, yeah, but that happens every year. It's a it's a bizarre phenomenon that they play us tough and we act like it's no big deal and. You know, we have to change our pants at halftime because it's so scary. So, so I, I, that's where I think the advantage is. Yeah, but but they got plenty of talent. I mean, yeah, they got all these five stars, but we've got plenty of talent and excellent coaching. And I think Gary's probably been playing games all along. And he's probably been planning for this game for years. Um, I, I just cannot imagine they won't. I mean, they, they may still lose because that's a dang good team, which I hate to say it. I hate to give them credit, but they are. But I don't know anyone who would be any more prepared for it um, than Gary. Jeremy, what do you think is the advantage in this game that the Frogs have, aside from <laughs> Coach Patterson? 
they only have to play one time. And what I mean by that, all it takes is one time to, to make an upset. And I think the fact that people are kind of doubting them is just fueling the fire for them because they, they like to be in that position where they're not picked to go in and win a game. They like being the team that's that everyone is doubting, and I think they, they will feed off of that. And Daniel made a great point with Gary Patterson. I mean, Ryan Day has done a, a fantastic job in Urban's absence, and they've they've beat some quality opponents. I mean, those aren't FCS opponents. Those are FBS schools with major D1 scholarship kids just like they have. I mean, obviously not five and four-star kids up and down the roster, but they're still, they're still good teams, and they just completely dominated both Oregon State and Rutgers. But the, the thing – as Daniel mentioned, when you have a head coach like Gary Patterson and you have to scheme against that guy, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're playing a chess match against one of the greatest defensive minds this, this game has ever seen at the college level. And he's got some talented defensive players. Uh, the, the offense, I mean, they're, they're obviously going to have to play the best game they've, they've played all year. Sean's going to have to play a great game. And, uh, the the thing I, I keep going back to is, yeah, they've got some five- and four-star players, but for whatever reason, and I think even Ohio State fans will respect this because I know a lot of the Big 12 fans um, respect this. What, whether the, a kid is a three- or four-star when Gary Patterson gets them, he coaches them up to be four- and five-star talent. And a lot of people will look at the NFL rosters and how they develop players. He He develops those players, players that – weren't very highly recruited all of a sudden or on an NFL roster. So the fact that kids come into programs like Ohio state as five and four star kids and they go on to NFL careers, that's great for them. But you get, you got to look at the fact that Gary produces those kids and develops, develops those kids into being, becoming good players as well. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. I think obviously Ohio state has not seen the type of speed they're going to see from TCU on both sides of the ball. And it's it's going to be a battle in the trenches. Whoever can uh, stay, you know, just keep pounding until the fourth quarter. I mean, that's going to be the difference in this game. It's going to be a big test for for uh, TCU's offensive line. One thing, those four and five star kids, they're going to the NFL no matter yeah. what. They're already that good, and that's what makes Gary Gary is he takes kids that aren't wouldn't automatically go to the NFL. You know, it's it's kind of like the opposite of Texas, where they do less with yeah. more. Well, I mean, perfect example is a guy like Cavante Turpin. So you have a guy that had offers from Tulane and some other FCS programs down in Louisiana. And do you think any TCU fan would trade Cavante Turpin for anyone right now? I, I think yeah. even Ohio State fans are are very complimentary of the type of talent he has, and so. He was not a four or five star kid, but obviously he's one of the top playmakers for TCU, and that just goes to show it doesn't. It just doesn't always matter where the recruiting rankings are. There's going to be talent as long as you develop them, and obviously, Cavante Turpin was a hidden gem for TCU, and they've obviously developed him, and he's become one of the most electrifying players in all of college football. And uh, you know, it's it's good that he's on TCU's roster instead of Ohio State's because he'd be tough to defend. You know, Daniel, you made this comment about how Gary's been planning for this essentially since they, they signed the papers to play this game. What comes to my mind is actually the 05 Oklahoma game that we, we were referencing earlier. That was the year that uh, Oklahoma sh- broadcast their spring game on Fox Sports Southwest, and you get one guess who T-voted that game and broke down every single formation and scheme on offense and defense 
And Gary's like, if you're just going to put that out there on television, I'm going to watch it all day. And I just, I just have to believe that as, as focused as Patterson is if for, in, in his ability to get teams up for this game, if he had a free afternoon in June and, you know, the office had kind of emptied out, he probably started watching tape at about three. And then Kelsey called him, called him at midnight and said, when are you going to come home? You just know a man with this focus and this much pride and this much hunger to shine on a stage like this has been getting ready for this moment. And I, I, I don't know if we're going to win or not. I don't know if TCU is going to win or not, but I know that that defense is going to be prepared and that Patterson will have put everything he could in, you know, from his mind into his players and put them in a position to win the game. I think they're going to have to catch a break to win the game. But if that break comes, I think they're going to be in a perfect spot to maximize that and make the most of it because of the intentionality and the focus and the preparation that Patterson is is likely giving to a game like this. I promise you he's already scouted the last <laughs> however long Urban Meyer's been at Ohio State. Oh. He's already scouted him from when he's been there, when he was at Florida. He scouted every kind of system Ryan Day has ran, uh, what plays click. I mean, he's – He'll come out and tell us in the media that he hasn't really been focusing on that. Boy, I guarantee you open up his desk. You open up his desk and papers fly out, scouting reports and everything probably on Ohio State. I mean, he's he's prepping for this game, and that's why I keep going back to I mean, he doesn't have to beat this team ten times. All he's got to do is prep one time, and essentially with you playing a team like Southern, you really don't have to focus a ton on Southern. They're You're going to out-athlete them ten out of ten times. SMU – it was out-athlete them eight out of ten times. Something funky would have to happen for them to even play close, which it started to the other night. This is the game. I guarantee every practice they've gone over something that Ohio State does or particular personnel, um, good players. Someone's, someone right now is being the scout team, Tate Martell or uh, Dwayne Haskins or J.K. Dobbins. Some, so, you know, they, they've been focused on this, I know, for – at least the entire fall camp and may, you know, for, for coach P he's been in his coaches <laughs> since, since, since the schedule came out. I mean, since, since the, as soon as they got done with Stanford, he probably took a week off and then started prepping right away. And I think that's going to be on display. I, again, I don't know if the frogs are going to, are going to be able to win this game. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but I know that they're going to be put in a position to win this game if the opportunity presents itself. But I also think he's going to have them in a state of mind mentally to be able to take that first punch, that first onslaught. If we can get to the end of the first quarter and every, everybody's like, okay, hey, this is a ball game, I'm going to feel really good because that means Patterson has, has them prepared and that they have, they have been able to process and implement what he's taught them. And if they're able to do that and then that begins to click, the longer this game goes, the more tight uh, Ryan Day is going to get, the more uptight the players are in the field are going to get because they haven't had a dogfight yet. They haven't had to play uh, a close game th- this season. And they're told, hey, you're supposed to win this game. You're a double-digit uh, uh, favorite on the road, basically on a road game. So, if man, if, if they're able to implement that early – I, I feel really confident about the Frogs' ability to get this into the fourth quarter. And this is the closest thing I got to a prediction. If the Frogs get to the fourth quarter, just game on. I mean, just just pop another can, turn up the volume, scream with everything you got if you're a Jerry World. Because if it gets to the fourth quarter, I think something special could really happen. So, that is my, that is my uh, prediction for the Frogs and, uh, and what they're going to be able to do at Jerry World. Well, real quick here uh, – you know, what does a win against Ohio State mean for this program? 
if if we can beat Ohio State, what what does that mean for the program? Uh, it means a lot. I mean, if you you think about it from a national perspective, TCU's already getting respect. The, the respect's just going to keep growing even larger, and could benefit recruiting. Could could uh, see an effect with uh, some of these remaining 2019 kids. Obviously, you're going to get some uh, get some definite likes from some of the 2020 kids um, that are already kind of looking at TCU pretty heavily. Um, recruiting will definitely. I, I don't want to say it's definitely going to have a major impact, but I think it would have some type of impact. But, I mean, it sets the stage. I mean, it sets the stage for the rest of the season. Every week, <laughs> the bad thing is if TCU does win this game, the target's going to be on their back. It's going to be oh, huge. huge. And every week it's not it, – it's, it's going into a different game where you've become each week's Super Bowl uh, with the exception of Oklahoma when they come to town. But it, it, if you look at it, if if – TCU pulls off the upset and then somehow Texas pulls off the upset. How great will that game be the next week down in Austin? Texas is obviously TCU is going to have a humongous target on their back. They've dominated Texas. And as as you go down the schedule each week, TCU is going to be mentioned as a, as a possible top four team. And just imagine if you will, for a second, if, if both the both OU and TCU are undefeated when they meet up in Fort Worth. Oh. I mean, you might have game day down in Fort Worth again. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, what that would be, I mean, it would blow the lid off of Utah. That's all I can say. If that if that's what happened, that would just blow the lid off of that Utah game. And I, I think uh, Jeremiah Donati would just let everybody in. You know, you got a fake ticket? Come on in. <laughs> they would break so many fire codes for that game. <laughs> you know, as many tickets as we can print, you know, we will we will let you into this game. Daniel, you got any thoughts on what this would mean if we uh, for a win or a loss, and if for the frogs against Ohio State? Um, I mean it'd be all right, I guess. <laughs> you, I'll allow it. I'll <laughs> allow it. <laughs> no, no. Obviously, it would be huge. It'd be everything Jeremy just said. That's pretty much what I was coming up with as as he was saying it. So you know, it, it, it impacts everything. It, it shows that. Um, it's, you know, we're legit. We'll only get better, you know, and we're already stacked to be better the next few years as we go. And then, and then if we can influence more, more talent, to hop on to 2019 or 2020 or whatever it is, we still have going, um, 2021, you know, and don't think that, um, you know, there's some of these kids on this team that will remember 2014 and getting screwed by ESPN, um, out of the playoff and you know gary hadn't forgotten it you know no he obviously no. he put a good face on and I, I respected that i'm glad he didn't go out there and whine but that probably just now, is more fuel on the fire for him now who who whined that year who was that oh art briles that's right <laughs> we we just want y'all watch baylor football and uh oh uh, just respect the wins that we've had playing baylor football all year long yeah. Never mind all them ladies walking around making them wow. fake accusations. We're Jeremy goes there. He got, the company man goes there. <laughs> it's all it's all a joke. It's all a joke. It's all a joke. But honestly, it honestly, I mean, if you if you think about it for a second, just the the impact would be extraordinary. I mean, you it, you can't even really put into words what kind of momentum the program would have. 
If they go in and and they beat Ohio State, they're obviously going to be the the talk of the country because most most experts are pred- predicting Ohio State to to win this game. I think you've already seen the spread. It's what thirteen and a half 13 or fourteen and a, and a half somewhere around there. So there, there's there's not a lot of people that are really giving TCU the the chance to win. And and uh, you know the the downside of this is 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 if TCU does win how many people are going to point to the fact that Urban Meyer wasn't on the sideline for Ohio State. Um, Kirk Kirk hopefully, Street, number one. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, well, hopefully if T, well, I know Kirk has a lot of respect for Gary Patterson as well. And, and Gary, believe it or not, <clears throat> through the craziest thing that he's done, <laughs> being on that coaches panel during these playoff games, he has earned so much respect out of, uh, you know, from experts, from, other college football fans and, and just if you go back and you just watch those watch those shows and just go to different message boards and everyone's just talking up Gary Patterson I mean he he earns so much respect and he already has that respect from just being on those shows if he goes out and beats Ohio State he's going to have so much love from the rest of the Big 10 he's going to have a lot of love from a national perspective and and it's it's going to be a, a whirlwind week for him if they get that win um, and, and it's, it's one of those deals where it's going to kind of be like it, it, it was big in 05 when they upset OU and they held Adrian Peterson to what, 17 yards on 19 carries, something stupid. It will be magnified a hundred times if they, if they, in, in today's, uh, society, social media, everything else. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just going to be so huge. I, I don't even know how TCU fans are going to react. I, I'm, I don't even know how I'm going to react if, if they somehow go out there and win, but it's not it, to me, it's not if they win. Oh my God, I can't believe they won. I fully expect TCU to go out there and compete. I fully expect them. If they play the right kind of football and they, they play good TCU football, they can win this game. It's not going to be a shock to me if they, if they do win as much as it will be for other people. And, and I've seen some Ohio state fans talk about, um, the crazy ones where you have, I'm not picking on Ohio state fans because every fan base has the crazy ones where no matter what opponents do, they're never going to respect them. But I, I saw someone make a comment where they were talking about, you know, TCU. Uh, yeah, they've, they're, they've won nine games against top 15 teams, but one of those teams was Ole Miss and they weren't that good. Did that guy not watch Ole Miss football that year? And yeah. Did not watch them beat, beat yeah, Alabama. They, they beat Alabama, and, and they were literally in the playoff discussion like a week prior. And TCU yeah. just didn't beat them. I mean, they stomped they stomped them into the they curb. Annihilated them, and it wasn't even close from the get go. I mean, you still have memes out there to this day of Bo Wallace picking up the phone saying he wants to go home. You know, it's 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 funny, but that's that's kind of, Davian Pearson yeah. with the land shark yeah. pointing to the sideline. <laughs> but that's the kind of that's the lack of respect that it, it's still for for some people. TCU is just they're still the 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 little school for the poor, or whatever it was that what's his face said. Let, yeah, little, little sisters, sisters of the, the poor. poor, whatever it was. For some fans, that's that's just how it is, and and they're never gonna they're never gonna respect TCU until they get a win like they they have a chance to do on Saturday on that big stage where everyone's going to be watching ABC and trust me I I I think it can happen. I'm not I'm not going to be shocked if it if TCU pulls off an upset. Either way, it's nice to know there's a cupcake game the week after. 
There you go. If you talk like that, <laughs> talk like that is how, you, how you end up losing, Daniel. Because you, you, you as a fan right. has as much to do with that game as those players. So just remember that. Just remember That's what right. you, just remember what you say has that. an That's effect right. on how those players perform. They stink. I'm not that worried about it. That's right. <laughs> I know what you said, but they're awful. Uh, you're gonna be sh- you're gonna you're gonna love my prediction here when we get to the end and pick games for this weekend. Then Daniel. All right. To wrap this up on Ohio State, I want to give you a little Denton do's and don'ts. Sorry, John Denton, I'm stealing that from you. Uh, the fro- what do the frogs need to do? They need to run for 250 yards. They need to force two turnovers, and they need to be tied or leading at halftime. If they're able to do that, I think the Frogs are going to be able to win the game. What they can't do, what what we don't want to see happen, is there can't be turnovers. Sean can't uh, throw the can't can't uh, throw the uh, inopportune time uh, interception. He can't pull a, a, a Kenny Hill. I love Kenny, but you know the worst possible moment for an interception, Sean can't do that. And he can't hand an open receiver and throw the ball at his feet. That just we, that cannot happen this year. And the, the final thing of what you, what the, you don't want to see happen is I think the corners are going to get stressed this week because Ohio State really likes to throw the ball down the field. They've had a lot of success with it in their first two games. And I think if, if Jeff Gladney and Julius Lewis are able to to defend the deep ball and stay with that guy as they're trying to stretch the field, I think that's going to be able to uh, shut down their offense a little bit. I, you know, the run game, they're going to get their yards. Um, they got to be able to stop that home run ball. They can't let them pull a, you know, a Mason Rudolph to James Washington a couple times in that game, or, or I think that's where the, the, the problem is going to be. So that's my summary. If they're able to, to be able to run the ball and if Sean's going to be able to hit the open receiver and not throw an inopportune, I mean, an interception at the worst possible times, I think the Frogs are going to be able to win. They have the potential to be in a spot to win the game. And I, I'm just excited that it's going to happen. So I'm real excited about this game. For things all holy, do not let Sean throw an intercept, game-ending interception to Baron Browning. Oh, gosh. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. No. Run a zone read and let uh, let Baron Browning come and tackle uh, – Darius Anderson as Sean pulls it out and sprints into the end zone when Barron made the bad read. That's what we want to see happen. That would be the <laughs> the Rudy type ending to that. So, oh man. Well, a couple a couple other quick things here. Let's talk about recruiting for a minute. Jeremy, you got any updates on football recruiting? Then we're going to talk about basketball. But you got any any updates on football <laughs> recruiting for us right now? Well, I mean, nothing big. I was just going to dive in because I know there's going to be questions about guys that are going to be um, trying to get up to the Ohio State. And TCU game on, on at AT and T on Saturday. It's it's a weird it's a weird uh, recruiting weekend. TCU can actually host recruits, but from what I understand, they're they're trying not to make it a big list. I don't think they're going to have any um, big time top targets that that they're heavily recruiting up there because they don't want to waste an official visit uh, to a to a to a venue that is not their home venue. And logistically, I was told it's really tough to do that when you have a, a quote-unquote home game at a neutral site field. It's just tough logistically to make all that happen. Um, there will be some kids that will make unofficial visits. I think DeMarque Foster will be up there. Kamar Wheaton, a kid out of Lakeview Centennial, is going to be up there. And I'm going to have more of the names later this week. It's just now Monday. So later in the week, we'll have more of a uh, – kind of a, a better list of guys that are expected to come over there and, and watch that game. But I don't, if you guys are wanting to see a bunch of, just because it's 
Ohio State and TCU and top 15 matchup, they're going to try to bring in all these big top names. I, I just don't think that's going to happen um, after talking to a few folks the last couple of weeks. But uh, there will be a few names there that I'll get that I'll get down. But um, Greg Biggins had a report uh, earlier today that Stefan Wright's going to be um, making an official visit. And I think I've said that all along that he was going to be making official visits at some point. I think it's going to be during the Oklahoma game. Uh, I think that's the, that's the weekend that they're going to try to get some of these remaining targets that they have on their 2019 list in town, because yeah, it's going to, it, it, man, if things work out the way they hope it, it does, if, if they beat Ohio state and, and, and keep winning that game against Oklahoma is going to be a huge environment and, and win or lose, that's going to be a great environment for them to be at. I mean, I, I think we all saw this past weekend, even though A&M lost, they're recruiting, you know, it was just a major hit down there. They got a commitment from a five-star uh, receiver, DeMoss, and then another Malik Hornsby, the quarterback. Uh, I don't know if it's public yet. I haven't checked, but I know everyone's thinking he's committed there. That, so that's the number one quarterback in the state for 2020 and the number one receiver in the state for 2020, even after they lost. So uh, just the type of environment you can have in front of these recruits is, is pretty important. I think that would be a, a good one for them to be at the OU game. But um, if, if there's any updates as far as uh, any big-time names that I don't expect that just somehow suddenly pop up, I will definitely let everyone know. And if you haven't yet, you need to join hornfrogblitz.com. Jeremy's got updates up to the minute about recruits that will be on campus, some, you know, what, what he's hearing, especially on the 2019, and you got to get ready for it, the 2020 front. So if you're not signed up to Hornfrog Blitz, go do that. Go fix that right now. You know, we, we obsessed about basketball. I mean, we, we obsessed about football, number one, and probably baseball, number two. But, man, we got to learn how to be a basketball school because Jamie Dixon is, man, he is reeling in the recruits. TCU landed two four-stars in the last 48 hours here. Uh, what do you know? I mean, this is probably new for you too, Jeremy. What do you know about who, who Jamie Dixon has, has brought in and uh, can give us a little update on the basketball recruiting front? Well, I mean, it's they're, they're both four-star kids, and they're both out-of-state kids. So, I mean, I think that's, that's good that you're getting your uh, footprint beyond the state of Texas. And just by doing a quick search on where the rankings are, I mean – who would have thought in this day, two years ago that TC would have on the verge of a top 10 recruiting class in basketball? Uh, they are leading the Big 12, which is nationally known as the best basketball conference in college basketball. Um, they are leading the Big 12 in recruiting rankings right now for their 2019 class. And, I mean, they, they have a chance with, with a few other guys. Uh, it, it was funny because on Friday when we were going through the rain delay at SMU, I saw Coach Dixon, and and uh, it's fun to talk with him. And I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, but our daughters played cl- uh, club volleyball together, so it was cool to see him away from just the the coach setting, and him to see me away from just the media setting. So we 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 always have a good time talking volleyball. But I I, I kind of mentioned, I said, hey, you had some you had some good guys on campus this past weekend, uh, and how's that going? He said, you know, I think. I think we have a really good chance of, of uh, getting some of those guys. And, of course, he don't mention them by name or anything, but he, uh, he he's just doing a great job, man. I mean, that just the way they recruit, the, the staff recruits well, they're, they're recruiting nationally, and, and that's, that's all it takes, man. All you need out of these uh, basketball classes is two good players, and, man, they could just transform the program, and, and that's what he's done, man. He's, he's recruiting like crazy right now. It's just 
it is you you hit the nail on the head jeff it's it's a it's a whole new level for tcu fans and and definitely for someone like me because tcu recruiting was always an afterthought to me for basketball because it they just they just didn't really and that's not a knock on former players or anything like that it's just you you just didn't have the marquee players that they were getting the way they are now yeah he's he's not taking this program up one or two levels it is you know, it's it's really even hard to measure what Jamie Dixon has done because two four stars in one class, that is that's a top fifteen class, and I know he's gonna add to it, but if they're you know top ten nationally, number one in the Big Twelve, uh Kansas is in the Big Twelve, that is a that is a huge development on the basketball front. And it proves a couple things. One, that you know, getting into the NCAA tournament and getting knocked out in the first round is probably just the beginning. That is that is the floor, not the ceiling. So I'll be interested to see what the Frogs are going to be able to do long-term in terms of postseason with this kind of talent. But it also means that, you know, somebody is going to knock off Kansas one of these days. You know, they've won the... Uh, They've won the Big 12 since, like, Ronald Reagan was president. That's all they do is win the Big 12. But I think that if somebody's going to do it, why not TCU? And Dixon's bringing in the talent. So let's let's see what happens when they roll the balls out there this uh, this next year. So. Pretty good to win a conference for it's even established. I mean, that's how good they are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was a bit of a reach. So I, I always like to reference things by politics just because people can remember. I think it was, like, in second grade when Ronald Reagan was president. So... <laughs> All right, let's go to some questions here, Jeremy. I'm going to give you some questions. You give me just a couple of sentence answers, and then we'll get to our pick'ems, and then we'll wrap this thing up here. Uh, Jeremy, how will Collier's return on the defensive lineup against Ohio State change things? Will Summers continue to play defensive end or move him to linebacker? What are your th- What are your thoughts? Uh, on that? I think he still plays defensive end. LJ has not played. I mean, in a in a game, so I don't think anyone should be should be thinking he's going to go out there and play 40 to 50 plays. And, and Ty, believe it or not. The experiment is working so far. Yeah, it's against Southern and SMU, but he's been out there playing alongside Ben Banigou and those other guys. And guess who has the second amount, second most uh, sacks on the team? It's it's Ty. So um, T, uh, Ohio State's going to throw the football. I think Gary's going to want to get pressure on Dwayne Haskins, or if he, if it's even Tate Martell, um, and some different packages. I, f- I think they're going to roll him out in. Um, but they're going to want to get pressure on the quarterback. I think Rico Evans and Garrett Wallow have done a good job. I mean, they're 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 going to they're going to be facing some some pretty quick backs. J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber are both um, really quick backs, and they've got some really quick slot receivers. And I I think they've both earned the right to be out there. Now, if they go out and just just keep getting beat, getting beat, not doing their assignments, and Ohio State's running over them when they're running the football, yeah, then you can switch tie back to linebacker and. And uh, see how it works out, but I I don't I don't have any any uh, belief that LJ is just going to walk in and start over Ty. Now I, I've been wrong plenty of times before, but I, I think uh, starting lineup when they go out there on Saturday, I think you're going to see Ty at defensive end, and LJ will come in and and spell him. But obviously, when you have a guy like Ty and a guy like LJ, if they're both uh, playing two or three snaps, going to the sideline catching catching a break they're coming in with fresh legs so that's a good thing for tcu all right annoying group of 20's got a question we kind of referenced it before do you think they're going to deploy the zone read against bosa like they did against jj watt in the rose bowl i think they need to have sean run the football more this week i think he could have ran a little bit more last week but uh i I think they're gonna i think they're gonna uh let sean loose loose running the football this week I think he's going to be the different difference maker with his feet. They didn't want to show him running the ball last week, I don't think. 
for no, that I, reason. I agree. I yeah. agree. So another question from your good friend, Daniel, the ghost of Mike freeze thoughts on Darius's workload this last week. Um, we kind of hit on that in the earlier podcast. Um, I don't think he's a hundred percent and it didn't keep him off the field, but do you think he's going to get more carries this week than he's done the first two games? Jeremy is Darius. Are they going to need Darius Anderson to carry the load? I think he'll still get between nine and 13 carries. Uh, I, I don't think he's a hundred percent, but I think he's getting really close. And it, it's funny thing with those injuries sometimes. And, and I only say this cause I know the trainer told me about my daughter when she hurt her knee. And sometimes it just takes, takes the player getting back out there and just doing something on it to make it get better. And I think that's what, I think that's what they've been doing with Darius. They've just kind of slowly brought him back eight carries against Southern nine carries against SMU. And, and he had some really good runs against SMU. And I'm in agreement with you on, on some of those runs, Jeff, I think last year, Darius probably would have took at least one of those to the house, but I, I, I think he's, I think he's mm-hmm. going to be primed and ready to go. I mean, when you're playing on a big stage like that, there's a funny thing called adrenaline that somehow um, appears in your body that Ooh. might not have been there against Southern uh, and SMU, those those lesser-known opponents. But when you play someone like Ohio State, it, and Gary joked about that, joked, joked, joked about this several weeks ago too. It's, he said it's funny how those players that are hurt and limping around, all of a sudden when you have a good a good team and that you're playing, you start feeling better. It's like they go to sleep at night and all of a sudden they feel better. <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll see that with Anderson. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, he could have taken one, maybe two of those to the house. But, you know, may, maybe he just needed to get those reps to loosen his, you know, get his confidence back and his ability sure. to do that. And, and adrenaline, man, that, that is God's gift to survival. <laughs> Sometimes it's just what you need to keep moving. Uh, two last questions here. Uh, Markel Simmons, Dylan Thomas, are they going to be ready to go for Ohio State that you know of? Uh, we don't know about Markel Simmons. We uh, He mentioned uh, – uh, very first thing he said in the post game with SMU is that LJ was coming back, and then he didn't know about Markel Simmons. I don't know about Dylan Thomas. I, I really don't know what's going on there. Um, it's it's kind of a weird deal because we haven't seen him in the first two games. He's listed on the depth chart, but in, in his absence, in his absence, Tay Barber's played well. Darius Davis has played well. Uh, you mm-hmm. saw Aldontre Davis out there at slot. Um, Jarrison Stewart's been playing some slot, and and. You know, obviously he's got to catch the ball better, but I think they're fine at slot right now without Dylan. If if he doesn't play, I don't I don't think it's going to be a huge loss. And obviously Markell hasn't been in in any games yet, and he missed most of fall camp. So I don't know if you really want to trot Markell Simmons out there anyway, um, based on the 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 lack of uh, playing time he's had so far this year. If you didn't notice the other other day, I'm I probably have some crow that I need to eat because. Nico Small went out for a few plays, and instead of putting in Trayvon, they they ended up putting in uh, Redwan at free, and they brought in Vernon Scott at weak, and Vernon did a really really good job at yes. weak safety. And yeah, uh, Vernon Scott played well. Yeah, and so you didn't notice Redwan getting beat over, and, and they really didn't test SMU. Really didn't test TCU deep, uh, which was surprising. I thought they would do a whole lot more of that, but they just don't really have anyone that could stretch the field other than James Prochet, and he was too busy just trying to run those five-yard five yard outs just to, you know, help help move the chains at any way possible. Just try to try to work on the high percentage plays, but those weren't even working. But uh, I thought both uh, Ridwan and, and Vernon did a really good job at safety. Okay. 
One last question here. Uh, who is going to step up on the defensive line? It's kind of a hybrid of a couple questions from the post here. Who's going to step up on the defensive line? Not Ben Banigou, not Ty Summers, not Corey Bethley, but who on that is, is in, not in that set of players I just mentioned, do you think is going to step up and have an impact in this game? That's a tough one because you just named three of the good starters. I mean, LJ, did you mention him? You didn't mention. No, LJ. I didn't. I, I, I think. I think at some. We're looking at, at some point. I'm looking at, Go ahead. I, I was thinking more along, along the lines of Big Joe, of of George Ellis, of of Cooper. Who yeah. who in that crew do you think is going to be able to to have an impact? <laughs> well, you would hope either Terrell Cooper or George Ellis has something, and you'd hope all mm-hmm. three of them have something because they're going to need to because Ohio State's offensive line is big. Um, they're experienced. You've got to have depth in this game. You've got to be able to rotate your eight or nine players to keep those players' legs fresh. And uh, right now, I mean, Terrell, he's he's kind of he's been out there starting, but he's kind of been absent. I don't I don't recall just really any any game against Southern or against SMU that he's just really gone out there and, and had a dominant performance. Even George Ellis and. It, it, if you look at the defensive line, the production right now is mainly coming from Ben and Corey and Ty. And that one spot where you had Big Ross last year, it is, it's a ghost town. There's no one there. And, and they've obviously got to appear this week. It's, it's vital for Terrell Cooper and, and uh, whoever's rotating with him, whether if it's Big Joe or George Ellis, they, they've, they have got to get production. I don't think it's any one particular player that has to step up. I think it's definitely that one position. Even if you have to rotate three guys there at that position, they have got to step up right there. They've got to help out Corey, and obviously they've got to be able to help. Uh, if they play well, it's going to help the defensive end. So you, you've got to have some production out of that position. Well, that's it for questions. We always appreciate people that uh, share their questions with them. We can't always get to all of them, and uh, some of them I can't quite get into, uh, and some of them uh, they just kind of answer themselves on the board. So uh, let's kind of get to predictions here. We've got, we got a slate of games this uh, uh, that I'm looking at for this Saturday, and I want to get your guys' uh, pick on this. So let's go ahead and start up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. The Cowboys are hosting the Boise State Broncos. Oh, um, man. Daniel, who – I know. Daniel, who do you have, Oklahoma State or Boise, and why? I don't know. It feels like a, a, a pick-em, you know, like a toss-up. Uh, I want to say Oklahoma State because I want the Big 12 to win more. I don't hate Oklahoma State like I don't like a lot of the other teams. Um So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with them. I don't. I haven't looked into it. I don't know anything about Boise this year. I think they're ranked, um, but I think Oklahoma State's probably better. But you never know with Boise. Nah, they're crazy. Yeah, you never know with Boise. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I'm going to take Oklahoma State because, you know, Stillwater, as as every Frog fans know, is a tough place to play. And um, Boise, this is their Super Bowl, so they are going to throw everything they got at Oklahoma State. So it'll be an interesting game. Give me the pokes. Who do you have in that game, Jeremy? Give me the Blue Turf Broncos. Oh, give you the blue turf Broncos. So you've got Boise State. Daniel and I have Oklahoma State. All right, let's uh, look at a revenge game from last year. As all of us saw coming last fall, Iowa State beat Oklahoma in Norman last year. Uh, 
Sooners traveled to Ames. They're taking on a uh, uh, 0-1 Iowa State team that lost to Iowa in, in a very ugly game. Everybody should get their money back for having to attend that game. Jeremy, who do you have, Oklahoma or Iowa State? Oklahoma. As much as I would love to see Iowa State win that game because I like Matt Campbell, I think Oklahoma's going to win it. Ohio State left – I mean, Iowa State left a lot to be desired on uh, the game against Iowa. That 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 was a pathetic performance for them. Yeah, they they look bad. Oklahoma's going to wipe the floor. They with them. are going to they're going to hang fifty on them. I don't think Iowa State's going to be able to score to up double digits. I'm looking at like fifty to six, fifty seven to ten, maybe maybe ten. Maybe they'll get double digits, but yeah, Kyler Murray is going to run all over them. So. Yeah, give me the Sooners big. Uh, let's go down to Austin, where Texas is hosting USC. Texas, one and one. Daniel, you had some thoughts about the AP votes for University of Texas. What was that? Somebody vote for Texas in the top 25? <laughs> it was It was a coach's, coaches poll. Okay. Yeah, and it, if you, you read through and you see all the listings, and then you see who else received votes – and you look and you say, okay, A&M got a bunch of votes, you know, some other ones like that that are on the fringe that received votes. And if you look all the way down to the very bottom, Texas received one vote. Now, gee, which coach would have voted for Texas? Probably Lincoln Riley. I was thinking Art Bryles. <laughs> You're thinking Art Bryles. Yeah, so Texas, who's receiving votes, uh, is playing USC, who got beat pretty bad by Stanford. Um, who do you have in this game, Daniel, Texas or USC? Well, I know USC is not any good, but neither is Texas. I'm going to go with USC. Jeremy? Give me the Trojans of Troy. Give me the University of Texas Longhorns. Tom Herman always plays to the level of his competition he sh- they should have beat USC last year. This is a USC team that won the back back twelve and went to the Cotton Bowl. I think that that clumsy offense is going to finally be able to string some things together. And USC's offense is pathetic. So I'm going to go ahead and take US. I'm going to go ahead and take Texas over USC, and it's going to set up for a nice game down in Austin the next week. LSU versus Auburn. Um, anybody have a Coach O impersonation? I don't. Well, I don't either. I thought no. I had one going. Just go watch Waterboy, and it's it's actually a documentary about Coach O. I'm going to go ahead and take Auburn over LSU. I'm going to take Auburn over over LSU. I think Jared Stidham's going to light up that defense. Who do you guys have in that game? Give me Auburn. Daniel? <sighs> Just for whatever reason, LSU. Just for whatever reason, LSU. Just, I mean, they looked pretty good the other night. So did Auburn, but I, you never know. Where's it? Where's it at? Uh, oh gosh, I don't know. I think it's an LSU. So yeah, if it's at LSU, I'll definitely take LSU. Yeah, we'll just see. We'll see. Yeah, I think it's at LSU. I'm doing what you're supposed, not supposed to do on a podcast, and I'm looking here. Uh, I've been doing that the whole time. What are you talking I know. about? No, no, it's in Auburn. It's in Auburn. Oh, at Auburn. Yeah, it's at Auburn. Uh, Auburn then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, two more quick games here, real quick. SMU travels to Michigan. Give me the must. No, give me Michigan. (laughs) 
that they better be getting a big check because that game is going to get ugly. Give me Michigan against SMU, and I'm not even going to ask you guys because I know you both agree with me. Unless you somehow think Sunny Dykes is going to pull one out and go uh, one and two by beating Michigan in the Big House, that'd be amazing. I'd, I'd give them credit, even though Michigan I think is way overrated and Jim Harbaugh is not that good. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'd love for him to do it. Yep, it would be great. And then the last game, Kansas versus Rutgers. Quick, quick side note: uh, Kansas is favored in this game by three I, points. They beat Central Michigan pretty dang good. They, they did. did. They did. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Kansas. Make me a Big Twelve homer. Give me Kansas over Rutgers. They're favored. I want to know when the last time they were favored against a Power Five team was. Probably in the Big Eight. <laughs> yeah, it's got to go. Serious? Yeah, it's got to go way back. It's got to go way back. So, give me Kansas over Rutgers. Kansas. Kansas. Jeremy's going to go Kansas. Kansas. All right. Well, boys, that kind of brings us to an end here. We have uh, put together a good second show here. We said we'd go 30 minutes, and we're coming up on an hour, so we'll bring this thing to a close. If you haven't yet, you need to get out there and subscribe on iTunes to the Frogcast. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Follow us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. And you also need to be a member of the Horn Frog Blitz family. Go join TCU 24-7 Sports. You're going to find some great information of inside the program from Jeremy Clark as well as some great news on the recruiting front. There's no better access to our program than through what you're going to find on TCU 24-7. So for Daniel and for Jeremy, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you for listening to the Frogcast, and we hope that we will reconvene on Sunday evening and put together a podcast to celebrate a big win over Ohio State. Thanks for listening.